What's going on, everybody? Welcome back again to the eHunter podcast. Really enjoying these podcasts this year. This has been a lot of fun. This whole podcast, I think, is a blast. And so I hope you guys are enjoying this as much as I am. Hope you're enjoying the videos as much as I am as well. On the line today, I've got Joe uh, with the Western Bear uh, Foundation. So if you guys haven't been up to speed with what's going on with the, the bears in the West and how the impacts that might be happening in a few of the states, it's one it's something that you guys ought to be paying attention to. And so we're going to dig into it today and um, talk through a lot of the details of it just to hopefully get you guys informed of what's going on and hopefully we can uh, make some changes. So before we get started, though, as always, I want to thank Vortex Optics for everything that they do for us here at eHunter. We appreciate them. Check them out at vortexoptics.com. Let's get jumped into jump. Wow, let's jump into the podcast. Well, Joe, I appreciate you uh, you taking the time to hang out with me a little bit today. Like I said, I watched your video the other day on on Instagram, and I was just like, "Holy crap, we got we've got to talk more about this. We've got to get more people listening to this and give people the details." Um, before we get into that, mind would you mind telling everybody who you are and what you do with the Western Bear Foundation? Yeah, so my name's uh, Joe Condilis. I'm essentially the founder um, and current, I always just say chief volunteer uh, for the foundation, you know, like um, nonprofit work is is not glamorous at times and and I get a, to kind of be the lead for our nonprofit right now. So uh, it's a great, uh, great responsibility and I appreciate it and it's a lot of work, but yeah, so just kind of working on building us out. We've been around since 2007. But uh, really growing in the last probably five or six years, um, it seems like every year double digit growth as far as like members go and um, the amount of projects we do, the amount of projects we get requests for and and work that we could be doing is is crazy. So unfortunately, some of the stuff that we're dealing with in the anti-hunting and hunting space uh, helps us grow, which I would rather it not be that way, Um, you know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of my role. I do work a full time job, and then I do this uh, on the side, kind of similar to to what you do work full time and do a podcast, you know. And mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's definitely labor of love. You got to pay the bills, and I definitely know on the nonprofit side of thing, I was help. I kind of helped Curtis and Monty with a, a startup that they were doing, and and you're right, you're the chief volunteer when it comes yeah. to that. <laughs> Yeah, everyone but, wants to volunteer for the glamorous stuff. Oh yeah, and not the not the stuff that I need help with. Exactly. The stuff that's like, when are you going to go call our bears, or when are you doing this? I'm like, uh, I don't know. you want to do some paperwork? Yeah. <laughs> do you want to file a five one c three or a ten twenty three for me? <laughs> oh, it's it's so much work, but you know what though, it's so worth it. And I'm glad there's guys like you out there that are willing to do this because without it. What we enjoy and love would look very different. So, you know, those people that want to be part of it, whether you want to be part of it in the glamorous side of it or the beginnings, just be a part of it whenever you possibly can, I guess, for lack of better words. Absolutely. Just being a proactive sportsman is the most important thing. And you don't even have to be involved with groups by spending money. Um, But being a part of their cause or their effort in some way, shape or form is 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 better than what we were doing yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, every day we can improve and get better and, and take a step in the right direction. So, well, and, and I and I'm pretty sure most of our followers as well know that you guys have been around for quite a while. We did work together on the D-list project yeah. as well. Um, so we we've been we've worked on stuff together. We you know actually I should say uh, we I have I've actually never harvested 
a bear. I hate even saying that out loud. Oh, wow. We got to change that. I know. I look at that bear on your wall behind you, and I'm like, gosh, dang it. I'd love to go shoot that thing. <laughs> um, but Curtis, uh, he's part of eHunter, um, mm-hmm. and he's he's from Idaho. He's, he's harvested a lot. And so, you know, it's it's been bear hunting has been really part of what we do and what we we love to do and, and enjoy. And so we've been trying to support you guys and really bear hunting in general. So you guys, you guys have been around, you guys have done a lot of projects. I mean, what, what did you, I mean, before we get into this whole, what's going on right now, what kind of projects yeah. did you guys do last year? Uh, the big one that we like kind of put a lot of effort into was one that we've been trying to get done for a few years. And it was kind of like one that we knew if we could get it done, it would kind of set the standard for us and maybe some other states on, on a black bear research population um, project. And, and we started it up in Wyoming. We kind of augmented a small study that was already happening in Wyoming. Um, and it was started out on mule deer depredation and, and predators. And we were able to, they, they call it a few black bears. I think it was the Wyoming range. And we're trying to figure out if the black bears were killing the mule deer in the Wyoming range on their, on fawn grounds. And when we got some of that collar data back from the bears, and I had already been bugging the Wyoming Game and Fish Department for a long time, like, hey, we need to do a, a research project. We need to find out how many bears there are, you know, because Wyoming's interesting. It's a quota state still. It's on a female mortality quota. Oh, um, okay. Not a lot of states in the West do that because of the robust population. But um, Wyoming's a little different. Um, we have some isolated ranges, I think, mountain ranges, where it doesn't allow for that, like, mass um movement by bears um from one range to another and so it's a little trickier but um because of that we have some maybe conservative harvests in some areas that we're seeing a lot of growth in bear population so we we have a lot of hunters that complain year over year and a lot of hunters have a great experience i'm one of them um but there's it's come up you know can we maybe take some more bears out of the population our quotas are filling so fast it's limiting opportunity and so just kind of the backstory, I started really pestering them and we were able to kind of like piggyback onto that study and build it out by buying some more collars and turn it from a, a mule deer depredation study to a black bear population study. So we started with that in the bighorns a couple of years ago and we bought uh, a bunch of collars, GPS collars and, and gave them to the department. In the middle of that, the University of Wyoming jumped in and said, hey, we want to do some cool stuff with the data that you guys get. So it turned in from being just like uh, a spatial study on where bears move on a, on a, on a range and, and maybe trying to figure out how many there are by doing some hair collection sites mm-hmm. to now the Game of Fish um, is giving the data. And we are working um, in unison with the University of Wyoming. Uh, uh, we have a two people kind of working closely with that Emily Holst and Joe Holbrook. Um, he's an assistant professor. They're working on all the data that's collected. They're able to kind of look at harvest vulnerability off of bait sites and, and some of the, you know, we, we kind of have a theory that like big, big bears are really hard to kill on bait sites. And we maybe are harvesting the same age class of bears on, on bait sites, you know, that three to six year old bear mm-hmm. that are common hitting bait sites and and like trying to just see if there's a correlation to the age and and if bears are actually if bears are some bears are 100 percent dependent on bait during a bait season or you know and kind of the dependency so there's a lot of stuff going into this and we just did another collar uh project so that that kind of happened in the bighorns it's like a three-year study so the collars stay on for like a year and a half um a little longer and then once we get all the data from the collars we go around and put out 
little squares of barbed wire around trees uh, in that grid pattern. And we're collecting individual hair samples off of that and turning those into the university. And then, so last year, I think we collected, oh, it was, it was well over 600 individual pieces of hair, not necessarily bear hair, but uh-huh. pieces of hair that are all being processed now. And so we spent a lot of the summer doing that with the game and fish department and the university of Wyoming out on the range, collecting hair samples. And we'll do that same thing with the collar bears we have in the Laramie range this summer. Nice. And hopefully we can keep doing that. So that was a big one in Wyoming. Um, have a lot of interest from other states and provinces about that study. I think it's kind of really unique. Um, and the state of Wyoming hasn't done a large scale black bear population study in, in quite a few years, late nineties. And it was just in the snowies. So definitely a need for that. Um, we do a lot of conflict mitigation work. So just keeping bears out of trouble, whether it's electric fences or bear proof garbage cans and bear proof dumpsters Our our kind of theory is like, if we can keep bears safe and out of trouble, then there's more on the mountain. Just kind of like sheep guys, you know, there's more bears out there for hunters and non-hunters to enjoy, you know, yeah. and we hate seeing bears get taken out by a game and fish or, you know, a management action that a sportsman would be happy to go harvest. Well, it's like the, like mule deer, uh, overpasses, you know, you build those overpasses mm-hmm. so you don't see those mule deer cure, killed by cars each week or each year, you know, yeah. they're actually harvested by a hunter. Yep. Yep. And so there's a lot of that. That's not as glamorous and cool, but it's all super important stuff. And part of that kind of started out because we were doing a lot of trying to figure out how to get the grizzly bear delisted. You know, what what yeah. part can we play in it? Because so much of that is done in a, at a federal level and, and NGOs aren't really involved that much unless it's a lawsuit. And we're not big into suing. Um, first off, we're all, we're, we don't have the money. I say it's a lot and, of work and money it's it's a court of law that shouldn't judge be dictating wildlife issues so we kind of like how can we play into this and one of the things we kind of landed on and, and and talking a lot with the state departments was like we need more help with mitigating conflict and getting rid of conflict on the landscape whether it's hunter conflict with bears you know livestock mm-hmm. that keeps more grizzly bears on the hill and in the population and when we have that we can easily come and say, look at what we're doing. This is the amount of bears we have. Now we can delist them. And, and it was, and I think it's a good, it's a good way to show that we're working as a hunting organization to work at delisting um, and, and not just a group that's out there claiming to, we want delisting or not delisting mm-hmm. and not doing anything about it. Right. I did see that uh, Wyoming officially petitioned to delist the bears in uh, Yellowstone. Did you see that? Yep, that's awesome. I I was pretty stoked to to see. I, I feel like I feel like we're starting to move in the right direction on some of these things. It it takes a lot of your guys's work and a lot of your time and effort, but and, well, not just you guys. I mean, it, it's everybody in unison working together. But I, I feel like that uh, we're starting to make some traction. I think we have an uphill it's, battle, but it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. It's really funny when you put it in perspective. Like it feels like that's all we've done in the last few years is fight over this grizzly thing. And it does, doesn't at, it? We have so many like, articles up on that stupid topic. It's just nonstop. <laughs> and then you look and it's like since 1975, when they got put on the endangered species list, there have been people since that day working to the list, working to one common goal. Mm-hmm. There are people that I know of that spent their entire career just think about it. that's crazy. Like nice. my whole career was spent trying to delist the grizzly bear and it's still not done. And so now like 
I think what these new petitions do is answer the questions that were raised and the reason that Judge Christensen said his belief why we shouldn't delist and why mm-hmm. he put him asked to be put back on the list. Both the, the petition from Wyoming for the GYE um, really answers those questions and says, here, we, we fixed the problem, you know, and, and now we want the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. We want you to delist them. And obviously we will be back in courts if they do say, yeah, you guys are good. Let's delist them. But yeah. at the same time, Montana petitioned to delist the Northern Continental Divide ecosystem grizzly bear. So yeah. I don't know if that's going to hurt or help us. I, I kind of feel like one of them is going to get next because that's a big chunk of the pie to take right away. Yeah. And I, I, I hope I'd love them both to go, but I, I don't know. I'm with you. I don't see it the both happening. I feel like we're going to have to take a little victory and get one or the other. I did see that as well. But, and I, that's kind of what my thought was. I hope that we can at least get one, but yeah, I'm not going to hold my breath that we get both. And I mean, it's, it's frustrating is, what what I've said for a long time, like the grizzly bear thing is so polarizing, whether you're a sportsman or not, um, whether you live in the area or not, everyone has an opinion, it seems like, on them. Yep. The opinions that are coming from outside of the area are the ones that are actually influencing more than the opinions that are coming from people that live with them. Yeah. What ends up happening is you create this public perception of grizzly bears, where grizzly bears live, is being very bad. You know, like people don't like them, you know, and they're tired of dealing with the constant issues. I mean, they're an amazing species, amazing animal. I get to see them a lot. And there are days I don't want to see them, you know, and there's times where I'm out maybe bear hunting and I see them and I get frustrated. But I take for granted that I get to go out and and I can see some grizzly bears. But on the same token, that's a it affects people's way of life, whether you're an outfitter, a guide, or, you know, there's businesses. And, and so everyone has an opinion, no matter what space you're in. And I think what's happened is the anti delist groups don't realize the power of a hunter advocate, right? Like hunter advocates can recover a population faster than anything. Oh yeah. We've seen it done. Like, and we see it now, like there are hunter groups out there that advocate for deer hunting or elk hunting Mm -hmm. or, turkey hunting or whitetail pheasant they all have groups and they all have advocates and those species are all thriving like they have people on the landscape now that are making sure there's always going to be those out there for their future grizzly bears don't have that in the hunting community because we're never been allowed to be a part of the equation and that's what's missing i think if they would be okay with that and let this go forward i think they'd be shocked at we're never going to let the grizzly bear because we want opportunities, right? right. We want to go hunt them. And maybe I don't get to, but my daughter my does or kids, yeah. you know? And so we're going to do everything in our power. That's what's missing. And they don't just, they just don't understand that. But if you look at history, it shows the results. Yeah. If they would understand the the money that goes into it and the time that goes into it and the, the impact that, yeah, hunter advocates groups can make on, on them Imagine, I mean, imagine if we had the Grizzly Bear Foundation, if this, if this was the Western Grizzly Foundation, you know, I mean. Yeah, it's just, you know, and that was one of our platforms for starting. One of the main things we started this group was like, we are going to be a group that is actively working in the hunting community to delist the Grizzly Bear. Right? Yeah. And I think early on, we thought we're going to be filing amicus briefs and doing all this stuff in court. And it just realistically, it just doesn't work. You know, we we're naive. Right. Um, thought, oh, 
as long as there's one hunting group out there that wants to list a grizzly bear, we can do it. It's a, it's, it's a beast. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> I mean, that is a belief of ours. And if we do delist a grizzly bear, we will be advocates for them. We are for them. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. a bear. We're a bear foundation. We love them. But we also realize like their management is important and they need mm -hmm. to be managed. There's, we're plumful. I think that's what anti-delist groups think is they think that we as hunters want them just wiped off this the face of this yeah. this planet. And that's really not what we want. We no. want them to thrive so much yep. so that we have that opportunity to hunt them. If they could understand exactly. that, I think they'd look at it differently. We have a lot of people that think both ways for us. Like, oh, they're a hunting or they're a bear foundation. They don't want hunting grizzly bears. And I'm like, you couldn't be any farther from the truth. We want sustainable hunting seasons. We want a sustainable population too. We're not for the eradication of bears. No. Grizzly bears. I mean, we want them out there and you know, look at the revenue these states could gain. And oh. state of Wyoming alone has spent over $50 million on the recovery. Wow. They only get a hundred grand a year about from the federal government. So, I mean, think of that. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> but you're right. The revenue that could come from having a solid you know, strong grizzly population that could be hunted, that could grow, that could develop, that we could be, that could be managed. I mean, gosh, it could be a huge revenue stream. It is. And it would really give hunters a, a, a little more, uh, I guess where I get frustrated is a lot of the people that are against the delisting and you can, there's a bunch of them in Wyoming. There's a bunch of them in Idaho, there's a bunch in Montana and they're making money off of the bear. There are these photographers and, and it's a small, there is a, they're a small group, but they're very, very vocal. And there's one in particular in Wyoming that just, uh, I'm not afraid to say it just drives me crazy. He's a, a staunch, staunchly against delisting, but he's also making a ton of money off bears like 399 and uh -huh. all that. So he feels that if we can hunt bears, then there goes my easy money because bears, these grizzly bears are like roadside bears. See, but that he doesn't understand though. Cause if, if you were to delist it and let the, the hunter advocate groups come in, then he's actually in the long run going to have more bear. I guess maybe they're not standing on the side of the road. Okay. He might have to hike a little bit to go see a bear, Yeah, but there's going to be more bears for him to take pictures of and make money off of. So <laughs> in the, in the grand scheme of, scheme of things, it actually would work better for him if he could see that. I agree. And I, I just think it's funny. Like there, there's people out there that, that are actually profiting off of them, you know, and, and us as hunters that are paying the bill for the recovery, <laughs> yeah. we get nothing. So it, oh, it's just that's... been an interesting thing. And I, and I, <sighs> it just speaks to the frustration of a lot of people. And, yeah. and it, there's a simple answer to that really. But you know, as it, the frustrating thing is we can only do so much before it becomes an issue with the courts. And we really need to change that. I think, you know, and I don't know that it'll ever happen. But. And I don't know how to make that happen, but I agree with you. It, it does need to change. There's <sighs> the equal access to justice deal. And that basically gives some of these groups that sue the federal government. If they win the case, they get a bunch of money back. For legal fees mm. so that's who is there was uh and i don't have the numbers but there was a group one of the groups that sued to stop the delisting and out of the missoula in the district court there received a huge chunk of change for this oh. um so they probably have lawyers that work pro bono on the case and then they get them a lot of money and so that has to go away 
that uh, that would filter out a ton of these um, court issues, I think, if that could go away. And then I think federally we need to have something done with the endangered species list. You know, that's a that's a lot of work, but that's what has to happen. That so that I mean that's a great point. I'm glad that you brought that up because I agree wholeheartedly with that. That whole endangered species list in, in general needs to really be relooked at and mm-hmm. updated. I guess is the the right yeah. word for it because there's so many things that need to change with the, the way that whole list works and how it's set up right now. Yeah, and it's it's funny because like its intent is good. We, oh, yeah. we look at this grizzly bear thing and we forget it's probably one of the greatest success stories in modern times of, mm. of, of population recovery. Um, we're looking at maybe 100 bears in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem in 1975, give or take, to we're well over 1,000 right. in conservative estimates. It took a long time, but now we're a fully – we have bears moving now. Now, the anti-hunters won't – they will not – this is not part of their science – but there's actually callers on bears that prove this is happening. That bears are reaching so far north out of the greater yellow greater Yellowstone ecosystem and as far south as the northern out of the northern continental divide that there will be interbreeding. Yeah. You know, the DNA transfer is going to happen. Um, so we're looking at like this is a crazy success story. Like let's celebrate it. The yeah. ES, the plan worked. It was never intended for them to stay on there forever. And, and if you just look at it by black and white like that, the numbers match. They met the recovery criteria since like 2013. Everything's been met. That's amazing. And just in that in itself should be done. It really should. That yeah. is huge. And by the way, I'm, I'm sitting here taking notes. So if, I'm not ignoring you, by the way. I'm, oh, I, you're good. I kind of geek out on this kind of stuff. I, I, I really That's one of my favorite parts about this podcast is being able to learn these kind of things Absolutely. And, and so i'm over here taking <laughs> taking notes so i'm, I'm not i'm leaving. not ignoring you as i'm, no, no, as I'm doing this but i mean i just wrote i wrote huge success i mean that is a huge success to go from yeah 100 bears to over a thousand bears like you said and we even put that in an article that we put on our website that it was that was very conservative numbers at a thousand yeah, 1, yeah that's, I mean, what that's amazing amazing numbers to be able to, to be able to do that but but the thing is and, and think people got to realize whether you're a delister or anti-delister is it doesn't end now, you know. Even if they no. delist, we got it. Now we've got to manage those thousand bears. We got to manage them for diseases. We've got to manage them for numbers. We've got to manage them for other, you know, ungulates and other wildlife in the area. So, I mean, this is still a process that we're still working through, and and Absolutely. wherever this goes, that it's never going to end. And and you know what's what's kind of nice about. What, what the states have done a great job of building out a management plan for that includes hunting. I won't say for hunting. The management plan includes hunting, mm-hmm. which was such a big focus of the, the kind of anti-hunting, anti-delist bases. They just went to hunting like they're going to kill them all. Well, that was just a piece of the management tool. The states have to have a management plan. That's the law. Yeah. And so as part of that, we can hunt just like every other species. We have management plans in every state. And so part of that, but the, it was so conservative, the hunt and the guardrails that were in place for the management plan and through, you know, the the petition that they put there. So in the, the tri-state MOA, which basically dicta- dictates how Montana, Idaho and Wyoming are going to manage discretionary mortality, which is leftover mortality after you count road killed bears, management actions. And so say there's 10 left. Mm-hmm. 
they could say, well, our population estimate is here. We can take these 10 bears and split them out between the states and harvest 10 bears by hunters. We're killing 40 plus a year, just management actions. Right. And so it's like the guardrails were there, but the, no one could get past that. You know, they just looked at hunting. And so now I look at everything and I'm like, same kind of, but the, it seems like the focus is a little bit less about the hunting and more about now this could change if the petition gets accepted and then this will be their, their fuel. But right. You know, we have to manage the species for health. Right. And so right now we just manage for basically problem bears. Everything else can live and survive and we don't care. Um, and they can flood the ecosystem and they can make the bucket so full where they live that they're spilling out into areas they've not been since pre-European settlers. Mm -hmm. The big thing that I always hear is, well, they only have, they only are in 2% of their native range. Okay. Well, are we going to uproot entire societies? So the grizzly bear can inhabit another 4% of its range. We're never going to see that we live here now. Right. So we have to manage our expectations on that. And then, you know what, There, I heard a really cool thing. It was not that long ago. Someone, it was one of the, it might've been uh, one of the biologists in Wyoming said, you know, they're starting to see, you'll see reproductive rates fall off as more and more bears live in one ecosystem. They start managing their own reproduction. It's nature, right? So if you got so many bears in one area, there's only so much food, there's only so much space. So eventually female reproductive rates drop and Mm -hmm. grizzly bears have a very low reproductive rate as it is. So at this point in time, are we just managing for a number that will never grow because they're like checking themselves? Yeah. Hey, where do you, where do you live? Just sorry. I'm just, as I'm, I'm just processing everything that you're talking about. Where do you live? I live in Cody, Wyoming. Cody, Wyoming. Okay. So just east of Yellowstone Park, uh, on the east entrance, on the Rocky Mountain front, in the heart of a lot of grizzly bear stuff. So. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of right in the the mix of it all, aren't you? Right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's that's just crazy. I just sorry, dude, I'm just I'm just processing. Like, I, I'm, and I apologize. I'm probably gonna be like I said. I'm not a. I have never been a huge bear hunter. So, and yeah, I've been involved no, in bears. So okay. I'm, I'm just. I'm going to be a huge sponge during this podcast because I just, I'm just trying to learn as, as we go, as we go through this, um, man, so many questions <laughs> I have, and I know we, I know we need to get to what, you know, what, what's going on right now and whatnot, but I, I appreciate you, you, you sharing this information because I think people are going to look at this podcast and be like, okay, I want, I do want this information as well. And, and I got to take advantage I of what I have. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes so I can go on a tangents left and right and. But I, I love to talk about this stuff, so you can shut me up whenever. No, I, I think that's good because I, I, well, just like that, you know, what we're talking about. I, I think people need to know that because I don't think people think about those kind of things. And I don't know why it is. Bears seem to be like this characterized type of a, a species, and and so I think people they, they they put blinders on when they're thinking about bears. Like I don't think they think about the how how they how they live how they live with us how we encroach upon them just about going back to what you were just barely talking about how how we encroach upon them and how we're you know you're not going to change what we're doing as humans or where we're at or what what we've we've done i mean i guess you can a little bit to a point but um like you like you said you can't go back and give them four percent back of what you know what they what we've taken that's just impossible so how do we manage it now it is unrealistic 
So <clears throat> I think it's just figuring out what do we what do we do now and looking past how people look at bears in general. It's a, it's a it's a tough nut to crack because we've been even as kids, you know, every kid has had a teddy bear. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then you move on from cartoon. a teddy bear to cartoons, yep. and then you got all these shows. And and so I never had a an elk stuffed animal when I was. A, <laughs> It, you know that would have so, been cool though i would i would have liked way, that it would have been yeah come on it's the way society is and and we anything that is toothy and furry seems to be like all predators seem yeah. to be like extra special loved by everyone that doesn't hunt now i love predator i i would rather predator hunt than anything it's uh-huh. like i love all predators like people hate coyotes i love the opportunity to go coyote hunting and they're just a, such a cool animal to me and like bears are my favorite animal yeah. i hunt them i learn a lot about them while i'm hunting them and still to this day and that's why i've always loved them but the what's happened in the world with bears and mountain lions and 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 wolves and bobcat anything it's just they're with teeth and fur teeth and fur critters are mm-hmm. they're the perception of them is they're lovey cuddly things and we shouldn't hurt them. Yeah. But they're a piece that needs to be managed just like everything else. You know, mm-hmm. management is important. And if we're going to live on the landscape with them, then it's partly our responsibility to ensure a future for them. And if we don't manage the species, then shame on humans. When you brought you, you brought up a really good point. Like you said that you hunt bears I think to be able to truly understand a species, whether whether it's bears, whether it's elk, mule deer, pronghorn, whatever it is, I think you get an understanding of those species by hunting them that you won't get in any other way. And so, again, going back to kind of what we were just really talking about, you know, I, I think that people need to start leaning on hunters for the data, for the information to be able to utilize Absolutely. how do we manage these things going forward by utilizing the data from hunters. You, you hit it right on the head. You will never find the most, probably, you want to find a guy that knows more about mountain lions than anyone. You go find a houndsman. Go find a houndsman. Yep. He will tell you more than a biologist could. Yep. Most bear hunters can tell you. Now, I, there's a couple of bear biologists I know that every time I talk to them, like, I'm like, whoa, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, like, but as far as like habitats and movements and day-to-day stuff, you know, like to really understand the species and to learn like hunters know more because to become good at your craft or your hobby or your passion, you have to really put in a lot of time and learn. That's what the barrier to entry is for bear hunters. I think mm-hmm. because it's a little easier to learn about a herd animal, like a deer or an elk and you see lots and you can see lots because they're in groups a lot of times. Yeah. Bears are solitary animals, and not a lot of people grew up trying to understand bears. But ungulates are a big, you know, I guess I wouldn't say ungulates, like hooved animals that we hunt. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess for deer and elk, like if you're hunting mountain mule deer and elk, you know, it's, it's a lot the same. Where do you look? Where there's food. And, and you need to have some seclusion, some cover. And it's like, but bears live in so much different habitat. And so people are just like, I don't know about bears. Yeah. I never see bears. And so it's really screws people up when they're like, well, I don't know even where to look, you know? And I think that's been the barrier to entry is not understanding them. It's one thing I always tell people like that want to get into bear hunting. I'm like, learn about bears before you do anything. I didn't have that knowledge. <laughs> and I just... I was like, read books about bears, understand what bears do, what they like. Cause most people that go out and just try and figure it out, don't have a clue what they're after. Yeah. You don't know where to find them. You don't know what you're shooting. That, that's the thing is 
you know, and I've kind of learned this is I really do want to get into bear hunting. I'd love to get really hard and heavy into bear hunting because I, I love the animal. I love the species. But even, you know, with a, a deer or an elk, it's pretty easy to tell, tell which one's a boy or which one's a girl, you know. Yeah. With a bear, yeah. it's probably easy for you. But for most people that are um, out there, it's tough. I mean, you look at their ears, you look at their size, you look at the shape. But even at that, I mean, I saw a sow that I would have swore was a boar. <laughs> I've looked at so many dang bears, and and every year there's one. I'm just like, I I shot one a couple of years ago. I swore up and down and would have bet money on it was a boar, and it was a sow. You know, and it's Man. just I've, I I kind of know all the tips and tricks, and it's hard, and and people don't understand that. And that's that's one thing. Like when I just started bear hunting, I just thought you hunted them like elk, like get on a ridge or a trail and hike and do your thing, and you'll find them. And I was like, man, we don't see any bears doing that. Yeah. And it was just a long, long, long process of like probably four or five years of trying to kill a bear before I eventually took one with my rifle. And I was just like, wow, I fell in love with it after that. I was like, no thing has been harder for me to get. And everyone's got a different story. Some people probably got the first time to get them, but I I just wasn't that. That wasn't me, but I think it was fate, you know, like led me into this passion for the species that that's where I'm, I'm here now, you know, so it's a really cool story, but. Is, is that bear behind you a, a boar or a sow? That was a boar, that one okay. there. I, See, looking, uh, at the, looking at the snout, he's kind of got a, a little bit of a, well, I guess he's, I mean, he's on the wall and I'm looking at a zoom screen right here. I like my rugs to have the ears forward and he put the ears kind of pinned back on this one uh-huh. and it really doesn't make his head look as big as it is. But yeah, this is a, that was about like a seven or eight year old boar I killed in the bighorns. Wow. I love his yeah, color. His so, color is beautiful. I mean, just that was what got me. I'm I'm a nut for color bears, man. Yeah, yeah. I've that's <laughs> I, love a, them. I started looking at that as I as I as I've only really looked at bear hunting for like the last two years. I was in Colorado. I lived in Colorado, and I ended up getting a tag for bear there and hunted it. Like I hunted it the way I hunt elk. By the way, I didn't get a bear, so that kind of proves your point. Um, but that's I started looking at all the different color phases of bears, and you know the the brown ones and the the blonde ones and cinema. I mean, yeah, there are some gorgeous looking bears out there i'd love to have some rugs of those things colorado uh, i wish we had a spring season there unfortunately they did that legislatively so i don't know if we'll ever see that change but i don't think you ever will there is some tremendous bears in colorado it is a secret because you can only hunt it in the fall so opportunity is low Mm -hmm. you got a lot of private and some of that stuff where they have special tags right like land private land only ones and then they have over the counter but seems like everyone goes to Colorado elk hunting, but it's like, man, there's so many bears down there. There are, you know, the problem that I found when I was bear hunting is because it is a fall season. And so you have the bear hunt, the elk hunt, the deer hunt, the pronghorn hunt, all these hunts going on at the same time. I I felt like that was the hardest part of my hunt was trying to get away from the elk hunters and the deer hunters to try and find a bear. Like it was it's tough. I think that, that's a challenge. There's so many people on the landscape at once. Yeah. And that's the nice thing about a spring season is the people out hunting. you got some shed hunters out there, but you know, uh, most of the time in the spring, it's just, you're out there. The only people out there are bear hunters. Yeah. There ain't any of us, you right. know? So it's like, I probably most of the bears killed in Colorado are not, they're incidental. I imagine a guy's got a bear tag in his pocket. He's elk hunting and Oh, look at that. You know? Yep. That that's, I would say that's how, and I don't know this, these numbers, off the top of my head, but I would say that's the majority of bears killed in Colorado or yeah. Cause every time I had an elk tag, I would get a bear tag and have it in my mm-hmm. pocket just because if I saw one, that elk hunt's going to turn into a bear hunt real quick. And so Heck I, yeah. you know, I 
had that there, but I, I never saw one. <laughs> I, I never saw one. It's crossed my mind so much to buy a Colorado bear tag and just go down and not deer. I don't care. I just want to go down a bear hunt, but I'm like, the one deterrent I've had is I was like, there's so many elk tags in that state and so many people out hunting. Like, I just don't know how that would be. And I'm sure you can find it, but it'd just be different, you know? It's rough. It really is rough. Cause I was, I was only hunting bear. It was, I think it was two years ago. I was down by Pagosa Springs and, um, it, it was really tough. I ran into elk hunters every, every ridge I walked on, there were two or three elk hunters sitting on it. And, you know, with, with that many people out on the landscape, the bears are going to be pretty well hidden. They're not going to really come out. And so it was really tough. It was frustrating. If you, if you sit on the city limits of Durango, you could probably have a field day. I mean, <laughs> that town is like being overrun with bears. It sounds like you could just hang out down there somewhere and, and I, do fine. I said that about my house and I lived in Monument, Colorado, which is just oh, north of Colorado Springs. And I, I said that all the time. I'm like, gosh, if I could just hunt in my backyard, I'd be good. I see them all the time yeah. out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. One of these days, Joe, we're going to have to maybe do a podcast on, uh, on just bear hunting since you have such oh, i'd love to that'd be fun just to help, help people understand yeah how to bear hunt to, like a little tips and tricks thing that'd yeah. be great because I, I really I've wanna... wanted to do one where i actually took someone like you out and we were doing a remote podcast like looking for bears you tell me when and where and i will be there brother you just <laughs> tell me I'll where to be anytime, buddy. that'd be a cool little podcast hell yeah that'd be a lot of fun man i'm being serious we, we need to do that yeah that'd be cool just reach out man this spring okay yeah, because there's so many questions I want to ask you about Wyoming and getting tags, but we'll we'll save that for a different yeah. podcast. <coughs> Excuse me. Let's get to what this podcast is about, um, <laughs> which we're uh, <laughs> we're a little ways into this and finally getting. No, I, I think this is fantastic. I, I hope that everybody's really enjoying the information that, that's coming across here because all of this stuff is very important. Whether you're a bear hunter or whether you're a hoofed animal hunter, this impacts everybody. So I hope everybody understands that. Um, Joe, you the other day you, you posted a video on on Instagram, like I said, uh, really impacted me. I, I sat down. It was a I don't know ten or fifteen minute, twelve minutes, mm-hmm. something like that, long long video. And so anybody out there, if you haven't listened to that, go listen to that. that there's a lot of great information in that. But there, there's a lot of stuff going on right now in the Western states, Washington, California, Arizona. Um, Joe, if you wouldn't mind, kind of break down what is going on. Yeah, it seems like, um, and, and I made the video, I, I'm not typically one to record myself. I want what the foundation's doing to be about it. So I try to not get my face on screen too much, but there was just so much going on all at once. It was hard to like get the information out somehow. And yeah. and so what we're seeing is kind of like an attack across all fronts of what I'm seeing Um and it, it's in multiple states and multiple groups doing it. And there's kind of three tiers to these attacks. You know, you got Washington, for instance. So Washington was interesting. They have a limited draw spring bear hunt, mm-hmm. which is crazy in itself because Washington has one of the most robust black bear populations in the lower 48. Yeah. So they have a limited quota spring bear hunt. Okay. So a couple, I think it was last, it was November, they had a commission meeting. And the, a lot of the hunters got tricked because we didn't understand. And we comment on a lot of these as part of the foundation. We look at the data and, okay, talk to hunters. What do you think? And it, we kind of were under the impression that it was a, a meeting. In the meeting, they were going to talk about quotas and season dates and nothing else. Well, it ended up they, they had a tie vote to end the season. Yeah. And so because of their statutes, the tie made it no season. 
because they couldn't approve it. So that got all blown up and everything went crazy. Fast forward to now, they we had a there was a petition that went around and several people trying to get the voice of the commission to stop this to 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 at least take a look at it again because we felt like we were railroaded a little bit as, as sportsmen and um there is obviously in my mind there's two anti-predator hunting people on that commission at minimum and it was kind of a vendetta and so anyways they got a re <laughs> they had a meeting the other day to vote whether or not to take a look at the spring season they didn't vote on whether or not they're going to have a spring season but we had uh several people sent in um uh i guess they were petitions and and a bunch of sportsmen signed them to to the commission to get these uh, another look at the spring season so that passed so now in like march or april the commission in washington will vote on whether or not to have a 2020 spring season um but as of right now so, that that season's done though right i mean th that as of right now the 2020 springs 2022 spring season is not happening as yeah. of right now okay. um but they are revoting sorry I, I don't mean to talk already but they are revoting they will revote march or april yes. to determine if it could possibly come back yep and okay. so it was uh at the same time one of the commissioners stepped down oh. and it's a mess right now and they have two open positions on their commission what a cluster so it is just uh, it, it the whole thing to me is just kind of a messy situation and mm -hmm. and a lot of the commissioners that were speaking what i felt was on behalf of sportsmen and on behalf of a bear hunt for the spring were like look i think we made a mistake when we voted for this we didn't do it right we need to do this correctly we need to have another vote we need to go back and, and look at the season because uh, an end to a season should be done in a policy meeting and a policy deal by the commission, not a season setting meeting or, a, you know, and that's what we thought it was. So that's where we're at with Washington. Come March, we will need to galvanize everyone we can and, and submit comments on our desire to have a spring bear hunt in Washington. So how do we do that? Uh, that's really what I want to dig into is, you know, how do people get their their voices heard where can they reach out to to and so say stuff that, that's probably been a huge issue for sportsmen because i think a lot of sportsmen have always had the passion and desire to want to comment on some of these issues yeah and now with computers and social media and the digital age we live in the information's there that wasn't there before like we know about the issue in california we probably wouldn't have 10 15 years ago it would have just slipped it under was, the rug yeah so now we know about it, but a lot of people are like, well, I don't, I don't know how to write a letter. Like I'm not good at writing letters or I don't know what to say. And so it's scary for a lot of sportsmen, thankfully. And, and that's what we saw. We used to write letters and then we'd send them to all our members and say, we use, you know, you can copy paste, do whatever, but send this in. Well, an organization came out the other, just, just recently, how.org, um, how for wildlife. Yeah, they are making it so easy for people. All you do is go to their website, put in your email address, click on what you want to comment on, and it forwards it right to it. So whether or not you're sending an email to a commissioner, a state legislator, um, you know, anything like that, it's already done. All you got to do is put your name in there. You can adjust the comment or you can just hit submit. Done deal. 
it's a great page. You pop right on there. It's got all the actions. You could say, oh, I want to comment on the on the Arizona uh, predator hunting action. Click on it, put your name in, done. I so I've just started like looking into them and, and what they are. That it's hell.org. Is that the the website? Is it yeah, dot org or um, net? I got let, let me look me it up. Tell here. you for sure. Uh, I was just gonna look it up too. <laughs> um yeah, howforwildlife.org. Howforwildlife.org. Okay. I'll yep. put that in the show notes so that people can can find that. But that's a the cool, really cool organization. thing too with them is like they you can put in your email so you receive texts and emails if there's new actions. So it was it, what I saw is like the change.org petitions, like you can go on there and sign them. I don't think anyone gets them. Right. I, I don't even know who sees it. Right. It, it just shows that there's support. But at least this is sending direct contact, direct emails to those people that are the decision makers. That's huge. That's, that's again, like kind of the thing I try to get out of these podcasts is, you know, we can we can talk about the information and what's going on, but then how do, what do we do with that information? You know, what how, how do people act? Because you're right, as hunters and sportsmen like we were so used to like oh we want our public comment heard you know whatever format yep. that that's in and so that that's awesome if we can go to halforwildlife.org and be able to submit that comment again this is for washington i mean i, I guess it can be for anything and everything yeah now, they're, they're so like california they're all going to be on there and like california is interesting because it's a different approach right this is a commission deal california is a petition by the humane society who is petitioning and uh, I believe they're the ones doing the petition in Arizona as well. So they, there you have a petition. That's another way. So they can submit a petition to the game and fish commission there and say, this is what we think. We want you to take a look at this. And now the commission, because they got that petition has to review it mm -hmm. and they can say, we think there's merit to this. We're going to look at it in full. And then we're going to have a meeting and a public comment period on whether or not we should accept the wording of this petition. So basically, essentially, like they'll get the petition in one meeting, they'll review it, they'll vote. Do we think this is something we should look at? No, throw it out. Okay, done. It's in the garbage. If they're like three to four, four people say, I want to dig deeper into this, I think we should accept it and 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 have a full-on like review of this and and the the content in the petition has merit, then it's it's in the next step every one of those steps we get public comment okay so, so for those every that, time they review it we have public comment now one was to end bear hunting okay i was gonna say for those that didn't watch the video yeah explain what that petition for for california and arizona looks like <laughs> the the bear hunting california they want to end it mm -hmm. uh humane society it, does they said all of it right all of it they, they used a couple of well basically what happened in california a couple of years ago is they ended hound hunting for bears yeah and so they ended hound hunting for bears and then last two years ago we had COVID, and you couldn't actually oddly enough in california is what i was told you couldn't go in the national forest in california during the COVID outbreak you, you might get go COVID in the, in the national forest <laughs> yeah so the bear harvest numbers came way down in a couple years because they got rid of hound hunting and then there was less hunters out there because of the COVID year well what ends up happening what we what most states in the west do is they use harvest data to predict population mm -hmm. rather than bears are hard to count so they use harvest data and so what happens is they say we take we take a tooth and we put it into an algorithm once we find the age and we say okay x amount of boars were harvested this year at this age group in this unit 
our our algorithm and our model says if that happens then the population is likely increasing or the populations because we had a bunch of sows killed the population so it's an algorithmic method they use almost all western states do it well you need harvest to get good data well when the harvest dropped off the population dropped off because they're tied together uh-huh. you harvest more bears you got more data so you can so they said well look at there's more bear hunters than ever, but the population, the harvest has gone way down. So there must be less bears, which is completely ridiculous. So that was one of their sayings. And I said, well, no, you basically are saying that the population went down because there's less hunting. Well, and go to the, I mean, go outdoors in California. There are bears everywhere. I mean, I, I guess I, I'm not speaking from my own personal experience, but I've got guys that go to, to California every year and go hunting. I've got guys that live in California and hunt California every single year and they see bears all they, the time. Uh, tag sales. So they're there. And I have some writing here. So the tag sales in California in 2020 were up, um, but only 50 and actually this is the odd thing about California. 54% of the bears in 2020 were killed by deer hunters or elk hunters. Incidental. Mm, incidental. Uh-huh. So they, uh, you know, the number of bears in California is staggering. There's so many bears in California Yeah. and they only count bears in parts of the state that you can hunt bears. So they're saying ban bear hunting, but they're only, they want us to ban it based on the data that hunters provided through harvest in that only includes the huntable units. So what's their management plan? If they ban bear hunting in California, what's their management plan to be able to de- determine the numbers when you don't have that harvest data? It's, it's impossible. It, so that was their next ask in the petition was the state of California needs to update their black bear management plan, which oh, that's is right. You talked old. about that. It's already updated. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the, I was like, they, their management plans old, but the, the humane society said you have to use the most current science available, which they're using the most current science. That's what all Westerners say too. There's no new science. There's not like a, a special way to count every bear on the landscape. No, unless the state of California wants to fund millions of dollars to put people on the ground and do a study like we're doing in Wyoming on a much grander scale, mm-hmm. how are they going to count every bear? They can't afford that. And they're not going to commit to that. I was say the bear numbers, it'd be, it'd be impossible. It'd be too expensive. And they only can hunt in the fall there. And they also said, well, there's been drought and fire and everything. And we, we just don't know what's happening with the bear. Yeah. Once it's gone, it's gone. You, you'll never and see it this, back. It's just like, uh, you know, you lose these spring seasons in some of these states. Once you lose a spring season, it, you'll you'll never get it back. You'll have a fall season. But yeah, if you lose, if if they if this petition goes through and they end bear hunting, you'll never see it back. We have to go there and send them. You supporting bear. Hey, I know there's a petition out there, but these are the reasons you should not look at this bill mm-hmm. or this this petition mm-hmm. or why you think bear hunting is important and the same exact thing happened in arizona but it was on a larger scale they're looking at bobcats and mountain lions okay that, and that's what I, I wanted to make sure we clarify that so in arizona yeah it's not just bears it's it's several predator species tooths and claws yeah they they want them all no hunting i think trapping was in there um so they want to end it effectively and that's a similar deal it's a petition so they'll look at the petition the commission will 
thankfully for sportsmen, if it goes to a commission, we have a lot more opportunity to get in front of commissioners because mm-hmm. they have public commission meetings. They listen to people. They listen to sportsmen. We have a lot better chance of stopping something when it goes to a commission than we do if it's in uh, Legislation. A, a bill yeah. in Congress. So we have to get out and activate ourselves and get out there and do it. The trouble we're seeing on some of these commissions is as we get more left-leaning governors, they're the ones that appoint the commissioners. Yeah. So they're appointing people that are anti-hunting onto these commissions. And that's a problem. And that's right now. You're seeing that in Arizona. Arizona's going more that left-leaning. And so as they appoint those, those left-leaning commissioners, things like this, I mean, and and that's the thing is this is just, this is a slippery slope. This is just the start. If this is the beginning, if they pass these petitions, look, look out it's yeah. it's gonna get ugly well because it shows them that hey look at we just won in two states let's go for two more next year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. let's go for five more oh we got this killed in arizona let's now go after pronghorn hunting in arizona exactly or, uh, we we want less elk hunting uh, you never know i god only knows what their plans are yeah but it is to end because they don't believe in what we do we have different ways of life and so that's they don't like that when it goes back to what we were talking about with the delisting of the grizzly bears it's an uphill battle and we know that i mean everybody out there knows that this is an uphill battle and something that we're going to be fighting probably our whole lives and our kids lives and our grandkids lives um but just like you just said, we actually have to get out there. We have to do something. We can't just sit and hope that it, it works out because if you just sit around, <laughs> it ain't going to work out. It's, it's, it's going to suck in the long run. I was talking to a friend of mine. And, and before we go on to this, um, Colorado mm-hmm. effectively trying to stop cougar hunting. And that is a bill being introduced to a committee right now. So if that passes, there will be no more cougar hunting in Colorado. That's actually the, no, I did hear about that. Wow. It's, I don't have the That's through legislation though, right? That's, that's not a petition. That's a legislation. That's the problem. They're doing that legislatively. I had the number. It was Senate bill. I don't remember the number and I should have had that for you. Um, I got. I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately and then my paperwork is, but yeah, no. that, and that's all on howl.org or our website, um, the information on how to comment on that. So right now for Western states, predator hunting is under attack. See, that's, and that's that slippery slope. Crazy. Yeah. And they, they will, and I feel like it's all coordinated. Like they're like, okay, let's do this in this state, this in this state. They're going to be paying attention to that. So th- I think they're underestimating sportsmen. Um, and I think, we're at a better point now this year than we were five years ago to fight these fights and we keep getting better. Mm-hmm. We're learning, yeah. right? Yep. We have to learn from them. They're very organized. They're very calculated and we have to be the same way if we're going to win. Yep. You know, we can't just be a loose group of guys that say, well, I love bear hunting, but if they're going to ban baiting, I don't like baiting. So I don't care. Yeah. No, they're going to ban some form of hunting. So whether you like it or not, you better be commenting. When you lose baiting, and then you lose dogs, and then you lose spot and stock completely all in, uh, in yeah. general, you, and then you lose bear hunting and mountain lion hunting and and everything else. That's why I look at Colorado, and that that makes me nervous that you bring that up about the le- that being legislative because it's just like the wolves. You know, they are very calculated in what they do. They they knew exactly when to present that bill to introduce mm-hmm. wolves back into Colorado, and they 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 knew the impact that it would have, but they knew that when they could get it passed. And so oh, yeah. they introduced it, they got it passed. And now they're like, 
okay, we did this once. We, we've kind of got this whole thing figured out. Let's see what we yep. can do with ending some of these hunts and mountain lion hunts, you know, put uh, change coyote hunting. You know, I, I see a lot of different things happening in Colorado. Well, you look at California bandit so long ago. Yeah, yeah. They still can't mountain lion hunt in that state. And so mountain lions are dragging kids out of parks too. I mean, they're so. just like going into schoolyards. Yeah. It's, I will say it's uh, not all, it's not all bad. You look at what Montana did last year and they got a hound chase season for bears. Now yeah. I never thought in a million years that state would do that. Never. And they got her through good or bad. I mean, but it was a win for a, a sportsman group and we support hound hunting. Like I love chasing cats yeah i've never done bears yet i want to go so bad but so fun they got it done and you know so that's kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like we're continually fighting 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 we often we oftentimes forget to look for opportunity mm -hmm. you know because we're so defensive yeah and, and reactionary I, I, a lot we're, we we're so reactionary to things that are going on uh, which is, you know, it, I mean, it's okay because we're passionate and it's good to be passionate. It's good to react to some of these things that are happening, but you've also got to look at, yeah, like you say, look for opportunity, look where, okay, but can we add this to, in this state? Can we change this in this state? Uh, which it, that's hard to do because we already talked about it. Once you lose it, it's hard to get things back or change yeah. things for the better for us. It's funny what, what has changed. And, and I was talking to a friend, his name's uh, on, on Instagram, Ryan off the grid. And he's a photographer and he's, oh, yeah. he's that and great guy. And we were talking on Instagram the other day and I said, we were just talking about all that's going on and how much, you know, it's just overwhelming sometimes. And he's like, you know, I often think I wish I lived back when our grandparents did, oh, yeah. you know, and, and hunting was different. And you never heard about this stuff going on. People stayed in their lane, right? Mm -hmm. You can hunt. I don't care. Do whatever. I, and you, I said, now with the digital age, everything's happening so fast. And now we're learning. And I said, it would be nice to go back and never yeah. have to worry about, I'm never going to lose my bear hunting rights. And yeah. he goes, but I thought and he, he made a good point. He goes, we're all here now for this reason, because we will fight. And we have to be just like, and it's, it's like I said, we're all here for a reason now and mm -hmm. and it's up to us and and if we don't do something about it then shame on us if we go down fighting and lose everything and have at least we went down fighting exactly you know i look i i use that viewpoint in pretty much my entire life i'm, I'm a christian uh based person and i i feel like we're put in on this earth at a certain time in a certain place for a certain reason and uh, i think you're absolutely right because if it was swapped our granddads yeah. probably wouldn't be fighting it no. like we are now they'd be like yeah, whatever. I, I got to go work it's in the mine. Different, you know, <laughs> different priorities. Yeah, like I got to work. Yeah. I, I, and and that's what's affecting a lot of sportsmen too. We're a blue collar group. Yeah. You know, most of us are nine to five or working 12 hour shifts <laughs> yeah. or out in an oil field or, you know, I work crazy hours. It's like, we don't have a lot of time, you know, exactly. but that's where like doing what you're doing or the foundation that we have is like, okay. I have to lean on these guys and they'll tell me if they'll help me because I don't have time to research this. And that's like what you're doing is instrumental, just talking about it. Yep. Yeah, we have to make people aware. And it really truly is a volume thing. I mean, we want everybody to have the same passions, you know, try to help people understand this. But it really truly is a volume. The more people that we can get on board, whether it be through podcasts, whether it be through the foundation or Whatever the case may be, the more people we can get on board with this initiative and this this change and the, whatever you want to call this thing, um, the more impact we can make. So, 
Sorry. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut yeah, you off. I was just saying, like, <laughs> you're good. I thought it was me. It, it happens about every Zoom. So uh, we're losing we're losing privileges and rights as, as 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 Americans every day. And like, maybe this is what's important. You got to find something that's important to you that you're passionate about and fight for it. And maybe it is bear hunting. Maybe it is deer hunting. But maybe there's not a group out there that you can you know of and and you want to start one. But everything you do is better than sitting on your butt. Yeah. And, and waiting for the attack, like be proactive. Yep. I couldn't, could not agree with you more. That's, and that's a great way to kind of wrap things up here. I, I, I don't want to steal your whole evening here. Um, but I did want to get this out. Cause I, like I said, I listened to your video and when you started talking about the impacts that this can make on, on these different States and I don't hunt in Washington or California. I do hunt in Arizona. Um, but I do want to get into bear hunting. I do want to get more into it. And, and I also am, have really started to fall in love with, you know, nonprofit organizations. And so mm-hmm. I see what you guys are trying to do and the impact you're trying to make. And so I was like, I, we've got to talk more about this. And so if people want to get involved with you guys as the Western Bear Foundation, you know, and, and be involved, we, we talked about this for the last little bit, get involved, don't sit on your butt. How do people get involved with you guys to like directly impact Western Bears? Yeah, for me, the best way to do it for us is you can sign up for a membership on our website, or quite simply, you can just send us an email and say, hey, keep me in the loop of what's going on. Like on our website, we have my phone number is the number, you know, we don't have an office. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the email address comes right to me. And so I talk to so many people throughout the year and just kind of try and keep them posted and and, and interact and, and try and create that network of bear hunters. And then you know, social media is big for us. Thankfully, I think we're as big as we are because of social media, as bad as it can be. Sometimes it can be really good. Yeah. Um, so on Facebook and Instagram, we have, uh, we have, uh, uh, accounts there. So, you know, Instagram and Facebook, you can look for us and that's where most of our stuff goes. You know, we have an awesome website. Um, I don't update it as much as I should, but everything is on there too. You know, any important stuff, there's a link to how, for wildlife right on the front page of our website there's some videos explaining what we are who we are what we do and, and kind of what what our goals and beliefs are so probably the easiest way okay cool well awesome well again everybody listening a lot of crap going on right now in these other states but but like joe said you know th- this could just be the start though this this could start to trickle into other states it could be in your home state and so we we've kind of we've got to be involved in this even if it's not your home state we've got to squash these things before they get out of hand so so get involved reach out to to these guys <coughs> excuse me help in any way that you po- you possibly can so well, Joe, I will. Uh, I'll let you back <laughs> to the awesome. family. And I think to... we have to have a part two this spring. So well, just keep that on your radar. Let's do part two. Uh, yeah, well, actually, got it. We need to do a part two, and you know, talk about the results of these petitions, and also yeah, that the, would be good. What's going on and what happens with uh, Washington in in March or April? So let's definitely do that. I but... feel like we might have more to talk about coming because I, I feel like we're not done. So it would be good to do another little piece uh, to update everyone in I... March or April. Let's do it. Let's just let's just put cool. it on the calendar and and plan it and uh, let's talk a little bit more. I'll I'll shoot you my my number in our chat and okay. let's uh, let's talk a little bit more about doing a a bear hunt and doing a podcast live. Cool. I would love it. So cool, man. Awesome, buddy. Hey, man. I appreciate you taking the time. Good luck to yep. you. Be good. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. All right. See you, brother. See ya. Bye.